Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. Got Kip Adams with me on the Tuesday. Uh, Benjamin Walton out with us today. A little bit under the weather. It's always that time of year, for sure. But a lot to talk about on this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. And, Kip, I want to start with the fact that it's week 13. We are in rivalry week. Can, can you believe we are already at this point in the football season? Yeah, and the fact that you said it's rivalry weekend, I'm I'm just thinking about this upcoming rivalry for Georgia, and I know Kirby Smart uh, won't let anyone else think it, but it hasn't been you know too much of a rivalry as of late. But uh, it's it, it is tough. You you want to focus on this game this weekend, but I know a lot of Georgia fans are just kind of thinking ahead to that that second game in Atlanta right now. You can't uh, can't let your team you know uh, lack focus in a rivalry game. I know that Georgia has a chance to to set some win streak records this weekend. I don't know if that's going to be any motivation for for the team. Kirby's looking for any he can get right now, but I don't think it's hard for us to stay motivated. We got a lot to cover, a lot to talk about, and uh, this is that you know that great time of the year where uh, you know everyone's not just talking about the college football playoff, but you also have the transfer portal, and uh, obviously recruiting is about to ramp up as well. Looking ahead to uh, th- this weekend, you know, Georgia-Georgia Tech, a, a big rivalry game. But Georgia is also coming off one of its, uh, you know, biggest wins of the season, a blowout 38-10 to victory over Tennessee where it kind of just looked like Georgia, you know, not just going through the motions, but, you know, not a lot of resistance. The biggest resistance of that game was the first play of the game. Uh, you know, everyone kind of looked at each other, uh, expecting Georgia to give up a touchdown on that first uh, defensive possession. But they, they gave one up on the first play of the game. And then that was probably really the last adversity Georgia faced in, in that game. And honestly, I think at this point, uh, you have to not just give credit to Mike Bobo with the entire coaching staff with the game plan they had on offense uh, they really put Carson Beck in a situation to come out there and, uh, you know, play uh, really efficient football. And as we kind of start to look ahead to the the next couple of games where Georgia just needs to go 4-0, you also have to just appreciate uh, what Georgia's been able to do out there as Jordan rejoins the show. The, the offense uh, just looked really, really efficient against Tennessee um and it really seems to be hitting in all cylinders regardless uh, of who georgia lines up on the field jordan yeah sorry for the technical difficulty i don't always have my wi-fi go out but when i do it's like two minutes into a podcast but uh i'm sure you're talking about tennessee kip um you know really recapping that game and we talked a good bit about it after the fact uh, I just can't be more impressed by this Georgia offense. I mean, and especially look at the third down number differences between Georgia and Tennessee. It was pretty drastic. 
Um, it, it, I was I came away very impressed with how Georgia played that game. At this point, with the defense, you just assume they're going to give up a touchdown uh, for that opening drive. You know, it was funny. Kirby talked about it after the fact and said, you know, he's at the point he's just cracking jokes. He's like, yeah, I told Schumann, let's just go ahead and let him score, get it over with. Uh, but they continue to just, you know, knock that off and, and continue playing after, you know, a 75-yard touchdown run where, uh, you know, we were sitting up there together, Kip, and I was sort of like, you know, like this, this feels like this is about to be, you know, a slugfest, these two teams going back and forth. And luckily for Georgia, it didn't turn into that because they just straight up dominated Georgia, uh, dominated Tennessee in what had the makings to be a really loud Neyland Stadium. And you obviously heard it when Jalen Wright broke that long run. Uh, super, super impressed with Georgia really all the way around. Uh, something that got talked about again uh, this week. You know, Brett Thorson has yet to allow a punt return. And I'm pretty sure Tennessee's returner was pretty dangerous. And he continues to... Um, keep guys from being able to return those punts. Him, along with the Gunners, Arian Smith and Dominic Lovett, uh, Kirby made sure to point out how important both those guys have been in preventing that from happening. But, you know, I don't think I could be more impressed with how Georgia played and what had the making of, you know, a game where Tennessee had nothing to lose. You know, the East was no longer on the line. They took care of business, and Georgia just showed up ready to play. I think the offensive line deserves another kudos for how it played, especially after it lost Tate Ratledge. Didn't, I don't think you really noticed much of a difference. I'm looking forward to sitting down and writing that rewatch story Tuesday afternoon, really going into everything that stood out. But I don't know about you, Kev. I, I was thoroughly impressed with how they handled that game. Yeah, and, and you start to kind of peel it back a little bit. How Carson Beck's playing this year, we bring it up how he's – I mean – within striking distance of Stetson Bennett's program record, but he's ahead of pace for where Stetson was last season. And you have to bring up that, I mean, Carson's not having to throw that football in the fourth quarter. And you start kind of starting to compare quarterbacks this season. You know, you look at LSU and, and what Jaden Daniels is doing. You, you look, you know, obviously Kale Williams at Southern Cal, uh, putting up big numbers, Washington's offense. You look at some of these other offenses, uh, their defense is basically telling their offense they have to score 40 a game. You know, the other quarterbacks that are out there throwing the ball around as much as Carson Beck is, Carson's basically having to throw it, you know, three times, uh, you know, on average every fourth quarter. And so, the again, we had that a little bit last year with Stetson Bennett, but it's just a reminder that, you know, Georgia's offense is not being asked to do a lot in the fourth quarter, and that's just a credit to the over, you know, their overall team and obviously – uh, that defense, but I, I think, you know, that's when I just am looking at this football team overall and what we've seen to date, it, it just kind of goes back to um, Mike Bobo and what he's doing this offense. Um, we've had, you know, pass catchers, uh, you know, I guess kind of playing musical chairs as far as their availability. But uh, it, regardless, now you kind of look at it and go, well, you know, that kind of helped him a little bit. It's made him even more unpredictable because you got Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint out there. You know, if Rob Roth Thomas is only playing 15, 20 snaps, uh, then you have Dylan Bell having the game of his life. Uh, you know, uh, you had Dominic Lovett having big games this year. Uh, obviously, Lad McConkey when he's out there, having Brock Bowers back. It's you can't really just pick a guy to key in on. And if he plays zone, and Carson Beck's just going to pick you apart. Uh, up and down the field. They, I mean, they're they're they are 
they have the roster to be able to do that now. They have the best pass catching room, the deepest room that they've ever had. And honestly, you also have Kendall Milton playing the best, you know, football of his life. He's got a touchdown in six games in a row. He's hitting explosive runs. Um, I, his confidence is getting more and more each each week. And so you add him back there with Dejon Edwards and Dylan Bell. Uh, you've got kind of a complete offense. You even have Oscar Delt playing uh, over 30 snaps now. You have two tight end coverage. So now they've given you almost every look. Uh, that playbook, every single page is now getting used towards the end of the season. And I think that's just making this offense as unpredictable as it's ever been. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact Georgia is so deep has been, honestly, for them, such a blessing because they've had guys in and out of lineup. And when you look at that receiving room specifically, to have guys step up at the beginning of the year when Ladd was unavailable, didn't come in until that Auburn game. And then when Brock Bowers went out, having guys like Ladd and some of the other playmakers, that was certainly huge. Kip, before we turn the page to Georgia Tech, I did want to get your opinion Talking about Carson Beck, you know, we talked about how great he played against Tennessee. I believe it was 298 passing yards. Might have been three touchdowns. You know, there, there's a conversation among Georgia fans about should Georgia have a quarterback go to New York for the second straight year. Oscar Delp talked about it on Monday, was really pushing Carson Beck, saying he thought he deserved to be in New York. Obviously, Oscar's a little biased. You know, he, he's going to push for his teammate. But what do you think, based on how this Heisman race has gone, would Carson belong among those finalists? Uh, should he, you know, not will he, but should he be among those finalists for this year's Heisman? I think he's in the top five. He might be fifth right now. But, again, we've seen this before. Again, this isn't that, I mean, much different than where Stetson Bennett was last season where we started to say, could he? You know, is it possible? You still have a week in a football to be played here. And so I think you start looking at, I mean, the chance for, for other players to not have big performances. You look at the fact that Carson Beck's got, again, 11 straight games of 250 or more passing yards, uh, an opponent and you know that we're going to talk about this weekend that is probably going to let Georgia do whatever they want offensively. Uh, he's right there on the door. I guess it comes down to, you know, if there's three or four invites to New York, if there's four, uh, then, you know, he might be like right there, uh, you know, on the outside looking in. And if, I mean, let's just say Michigan comes in and dominates Ohio State, you know, then, you know, maybe Marvin Harrison doesn't get an invite or, if, you know, Washington goes down. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. throws a couple of picks. I think, you know, those are kind of the two players, that if I'm looking at, that Carson Beck could pass and, and get an invite. Those are the two. I think Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix have basically kind of done enough. They just have to kind of hold serve, and, and they're probably going to be in New York. So uh, would he be in getting an invite today as we record this podcast? I don't think so, but that's definitely striking distance. You know, all he needs is, you know, another big outing and, and maybe uh, one or two, you know, poor outings by the, the those other players I mentioned. It's definitely possible, and to me, I would circle, if, if you're really interested in if Carson could make it, it's going to be the Alabama game. And if he just goes off and throws three, four touchdowns, I mean, that would really help his case because that LSU game last year for Setson was huge, I believe, in him winding up in New York. I did want to read part of this quote that Kirby had 
on Saturday after beating Tennessee was asked, you know, should Carson Beck get more national praise? It was along the lines of, you know, should he be in the Heisman contention? I thought this was a very good point by Kirby. He said the worst thing for Beck individually is he plays with a good defense. It makes you not want to sit there and just run it up. Some of these other guys, they get opportunities and have to score 40 a game. With Carson Beck, I don't think we as an offense – as an offensive staff, think we have to score 40 a game. I don't think we have to. We may have to, but I, but we don't think we have to. So, I mean, I think that's, that's a fair point. I mean, you know, I think Caleb Williams has fallen out of this conversation because, you know, USC finished 7-5, and five, not nationally relevant. You're not going to see – it's very rare, I should say, that you would see a team that has lost that many games send a guy to New York. But when Caleb was in that conversation, it was because – he was basically USC's only hope. He and his teammates on the Trojans' offense, I mean, their defense was absolutely terrible. And Georgia, you know, Carson Beck has the luxury of having a defense that he can rely on. And Georgia's done a very good job. had not had to punt a whole lot, has scored on a lot of those drives. But, you know, there's not been many times this season where the Georgia offense has come off the field with no points. And, you know, us in the press box or fans in the stands are going, oh, no, they're in trouble. They didn't score on that drive. Defense has helped Carson Beck out a lot, uh, maybe to the detriment of him being a Heisman candidate, but I think Carson Beck will take that just the same. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you look at Jaden Daniels, LSU, that defense, uh, they're outside the top 75 in scoring defense. They're giving up uh, basically 28 points a game. So uh, if Georgia was doing that, I don't know. You know, we're probably not here talking about – yeah, maybe not even them playing in Atlanta, uh, but yeah, if you're going to have a complete team like that, it's uh, it's balance, and as they like to say, it's complementary football, and then that means you're not going to have uh, one guy having to carry the team. You build this roster so that you know everyone can kind of shoulder the load together, and it, it gives you uh, more margin for error, and that's kind of the program Kirby Smart's built, and that's how we're talking about win streaks right now. Take a quick break, come back, and turn the attention to some clean, old-fashioned hate. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So, Kip, let's turn the attention to Georgia, Georgia Tech, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time in Atlanta. Been a while since this game has been a night game. Um, but a lot of attention going on with this edition of Clean Old Fashioned Hate. So one of the comments on YouTube asking about injury updates. I was going to go ahead and jump right into that. You know, I'd posted on the site on Sunday about Lab McConkie. There was real concern about what his availability was going to look like these next few games. Kirby addressed that on Monday, said, look, they've done an MRI. They've done more testing. They feel pretty good generally about Lad. Uh, be interested to hear on Tuesday night when we talk to Kirby about what his availability will be going into Georgia Tech and even the next week in the SEC title game. Um, some of the other injury updates are uh, Thomas, bone bruise. I don't think that's all that serious. They may be, you know, play it conservative with him, see how he's able to practice this week. Warren Brinson, who did not travel to Knoxville, calf strain. I think they're still feeling okay 
about his ability long term. And then Tate Rattledge, who I believe was what someone asked uh, on YouTube, uh, he had uh, knocked knees with somebody during that Tennessee game, still limping around, but no structural damage, which is the best news possible in that situation. You kind of really worried with the, with the way Tate came off in that Tennessee game, um, what his status was going to be going forward. He did come back to the sideline in the second half and didn't seem to have a brace on his leg or anything like that, so that was a positive sign. So I'm not entirely sure if we'll see Tate on Saturday, uh, but it is good news when you think about the stretch run ahead for Georgia. Um, you know, I think in due time, Tate Rattledge will be back, which is definitely significant for that offensive line. Looking at this Georgia Tech game, very interesting, and I wrote about this on Tuesday morning. A lot of familiar faces on that Georgia Tech side. Buster Faulkner, the offensive coordinator, was an analyst for Georgia last season. Stetson Bennett gave him a lot of credit for his progression, the way he played, and you know the production that Stetson had down the line that helped him become a Heisman Trophy candidate. Uh, also, two players that were at Georgia this time last year, Dominic Blaylock and Brett Scyther. Scyther doesn't have a lot of receptions, but just about every one of them he has for the Yellow Jackets has been a touchdown. I think he has six receptions and four touchdowns. Dominic Blaylock has been very productive. Uh, he's coming off a game where he had a pair of receptions and a touchdown against Syracuse. That was a big win for Georgia Tech to get bowl eligible. Also a punt returner for the Yellow Jackets. Uh, definitely good to see a guy like Dominic Blaylock go to Tech and have success. He was a guy that really grinded it out, battled through two knee injuries while he was at Georgia, and uh, was very productive in his last year and has done a good job at Georgia Tech. You know, I do feel like this is a Yellow Jackets team that is taking real strides from where they've been the last few seasons. thought the Jeff Collins era was a very big disappointment. They tabbed Brent, Brent Key, a former Georgia Tech offensive lineman, as the interim last year. thought he did a very good job. I believe they ended up 5-7. and seven. Needed to upset Georgia to go bowling and just missed out after it was a pretty productive first half in that game in Athens. Uh, but they are bowl eligible this year. Definitely a big boost for that Yellow Jackets program, what they're trying to build under Brent Key's leadership. Kip, what stands out to you as we get ready for this game in Atlanta? Uh, the things that intrigue you and what you'll be watching out for once uh, this game kicks off on Saturday night. Man, Georgia Tech. Uh, like you said, uh, you know, uh, they have made some strides. But two things kind of stand out to me. One, these guys turn the ball over a lot. They've thrown 16 interceptions this season. Or, uh, yeah, 16. I mean, that's that's not going to get it done. Now, you lose that turnover battle. It's one of the toughest things to overcome. And so I, I kind of look at that as uh, – that that's brutal probably shows why they're, you know, they're, they're six and five and, and maybe, you know, not eight and three coming in this game because uh, lo losing 20 turnovers is, 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 is just a, a brutal thing to ask your team um, to overcome. And then the second part of it is the defense is still struggling. Like I said, they are one of the worst teams in red zone defense. They are giving up over 220 yards a game on the ground. Um, I, I think if you're Kirby smart, you look at that and you say, how can I get out of here as quickly as possible? Uh, feed these running backs. And, and that's, that's what I'm looking at. Can Georgia establish the run game early, you know, in Atlanta, uh, night game, 
Um, go ahead and, and and get that team back to Athens as quickly as possible to prepare to come back to Atlanta. Um, uh, that that is kind of what, it, what I'm looking for right now for for this Georgia offense is is just use the time of possession that they've used as well as anyone all season um, against a team that, that like Tennessee last week struggles in time of possession. And I think in that game. Georgia ended up having the ball over 40 minutes of that game. Like at the final whistle, uh, looking to you and kind of pointing that out, that's just <laughs> – it was, you know, kind of mind-boggling. But that's similar to what how I see this game going. Georgia having the ball, making the most of their possessions, marching down the field and trying to get out of town with, a, you know, a three-touchdown win and preparing to come back to Atlanta. Mentioned the defense struggling. I want to point out another familiar face for Georgia fans. Kevin Shearer, who used to be the outside linebackers coach at Georgia, is their defensive coordinator. I believe he took over midseason from Andrew Thacker. Um, I think there has been some improvement, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's still a concern. The turnovers are a concern. I mean, go back and look at how they played in that loss to Bowling Green. Not, not exactly uh, inspiring confidence, but to their credit, you know, that kind of felt like a game where they could have sort of had their season derailed, and, and it didn't. And uh, they did a very good job and have pulled off some big upsets, beating North Carolina. That was, was huge. Um, they've done a very good job. And I want to shout out Haynes King, who, like you said, has turned over the ball, has turned the ball over quite a bit, but has done a pretty good job and is definitely a running threat. He's done a good job. If you recognize that name, former Texas A&M quarterback, um, he's done a lot in Buster Faulkner's offense. And, again, you know, I think that's a big accomplishment for them that they are going bowling, and that's going to help them get in those bowl practices and, and trying to build going forward. Uh, do you want to mention that on Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern time, I will be joined by Garrett Chapman from GoJackets.com. We are going to preview clean old-fashioned hate, get a better feel for this Yellow Jackets team and what we expect to see in Atlanta on Saturday night. So be sure to tune in for that. Uh, before we get through this week, Kip, we have a big commitment on deck on Thanksgiving. Cam Michael will be making his decision. A few different schools in the mix, Georgia among them, Statesboro native, who a very impressive athlete and somebody that Georgia has been pushing hard for for quite some time. Uh, what should the folks know about Cam Michael going into this commitment? And if he does choose Georgia, what the Bulldogs are getting in Cam Michael? Well, I'll tell you right off the bat, they're get, they would be getting one of the the best athletes in the country, a guy who, as a sophomore in May of 2022, ran a 10-5 flat uh, 100 meter time uh, at the state championship track meet. That'll get you a lot more eyes on you, and it did. Uh, I think he was, uh, you know, not ranked by most services at the time, and then went to camp that summer, and and you know came out with a, a Georgia offer from that camp, and. I think that's kind of when he got on Georgia's radar. And ever since, Georgia's been on him. Obviously, uh, you know, with the the Statesboro athlete initially, uh, Georgia was all in on him at DB. And why not? Uh, you know, you have an a in-state guy who's 6'1", 180 pounds. You've seen what Georgia's done with the guys around that size. And you have a guy with that kind of athleticism. You know, Kirby Smart's going to want to make that guy DB. No matter how many DBs they sign, He'll probably want to add a couple more. And you know what? Why would anyone question him at this point with the the way that defense is played and overall the roster construction? So Georgia's recruiting Cam Michael hard. He's saying he's listening to, to Georgia, but 
at the end of the day, he kind of wants an opportunity to, to play offense because he's not really sure where his, you know, his future is. He's that kind of athlete, played quarterback, running back, wide receiver for his team, basically does it all for Statesboro uh, during his time there. So uh, over the last couple of weeks, Georgia kind of flipped that, you know, script and started telling him, you know what, uh, just come in here. We'll figure that out later. Uh, you can uh, play wherever you need to. You know, Brian McClendon's like, listen, uh, we we are going to need some wide receivers, you know, this offseason. Come in here and come into work, and we'll kind of see what happens at that point. And this was a little over a month ago. And at that point, we thought he might be headed to Colorado. Uh, that's where I kind of thought the team had the buzz. Uh, his cousin had committed to Colorado. Um but Georgia kind of cracked that door back open, got him back on campus November 4th for an official visit, watches Georgia beat uh, Missouri. Georgia makes a good impression on him. He announces the next day that he's going to commit, you know, this Friday between Colorado, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Texas A&M. Well, obviously some things have changed between that, you know, then and now as well. Texas A&M fired Jimbo Fisher. Um, he doesn't make his uh, official visit to Tennessee last weekend. So, I think if you're Georgia, you got to feel pretty good about uh, landing him and landing a big-time athlete at a time where you have the number one class in the country and you really only have maybe three three spots total in this class. So uh, I think you add him to the mix, it gives you more versatility and flexibility. You're able to recruit, you know, uh, another guy I mentioned, Marcellus Barnes, who just recently decommitted from Virginia Tech. Now we're watching that recruitment. He might get that DB spot and allow Georgia to – you know, just really bring in Cam Michael as a true athlete and just see what, what he does in practice, which I think is exactly what you should want to do with one of the best athletes in the country. Cam will be committing at 3 p.m. Eastern time on his Instagram on Thanksgiving. So if you have Thanksgiving lunch, you know, sit back, turn on one of those NFL games and, and fire up Instagram, see what happens, and then come over to Dogs 24-7 if he commits to Georgia. We're going to have all kinds of content about his decision and if he does choose the dogs, what his fit will be in Athens. Kip, before we get out of here, Georgia Men's Basketball Minute. Georgia was in the Bahamas this past weekend. Quite a shame that you and I decided to go to Knoxville instead. But I guess, uh, you know, the consolation is we got to see a good football game. Uh, things did not go well for Georgia in the Bahamas. Lost on Friday to number 12 Miami, 79-68. Very productive first half, and Miami was just a lot better than Georgia. I don't think anyone would fight that. Uh, the Hurricanes did not start the game shooting well, got hot, and that was basically it. Sunday turned around, played the consolation game against Providence, played much better in that game, was in position in the final minutes to sneak out of there with a win. Could not get the shots to fall that they needed desperately. In the end, the Friars win that game 71-64. Talked to Mike White after the game on Zoom, and he said, you know, we are you know, not happy about being two and three, but we played really good teams. They played a very tough start to their non-conference schedule. And he pointed out the fact that, you know, he likes where they are having played this kind of competition versus had they played some low or mid-majors in these first five games. And if they were sitting at five and oh, that, you know, that, that doesn't really do you a whole lot of good. They've been tested out of the gates. Obviously, they want to be sitting better than two and three, uh, but there is some positives. I think they're getting a better feel for what the best rotations are, the starting lineups they want to go with. And there were some uh, impressive performances along the way. Blue Kane played really well against Miami. 
uh, Silas Demery Jr. showed some good stuff. Was really, really impressed with Jalen Deloach in that game against Providence. Came up with some big rebounds and putbacks. So, um, obviously, you don't want to uh, have uh, your record sitting at where it is. But, uh, you know, they, they feel excited about what they're building. Be back in action on Friday at 5 p.m. against Winthrop. And uh, we'll see if they can get back in the win call. That's why you schedule those teams. Those are these are all, I mean, possible tournament teams. Whether it's you know NCAA tournament, NIT tournament, uh, that strength of schedule is only going to pay dividends for Georgia. Obviously, it helped that strength of schedule a lot more if they came out with wins. But it also gives you you know a chance to actually know where your team stands. That way, you're not surprised uh, down the road in conference play. So. It's, it's kind of been a struggle. A couple of those, you obviously would have loved to have come out with a win, but I think the, the team is actually better for this. And I, I, everything, all the goals are still on the table. Uh, they just kind of have to the, the work on uh, what they've learned from those last couple of games. We'll get ready to wrap up the episode right there. Do want to make sure and tell everybody who is listening, go to dogs247.com if you do not already have a VIP membership. Black Friday sale started on Tuesday morning. It will run through next Monday at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. 75% off. That is the best deal we have all year. Sign up. You get all of our VIP content, whether it's my rewatch stories, uh, the Stay Wolks, where Ben drops all kinds of good recruiting updates, all kinds of good VIP content in there. There are Q&As with the opposing beat writers as we get ready for game after game for Georgia. Uh, definitely the time to join, I believe. Uh, if you sign up with this for a year, it's about $27, and it's like $2.50 a month. It's uh, It doesn't get any better than that. It's very much well worth the price, and uh, we would be very excited if you guys come join us over at Dogs 24-7. Do you want to also plug the YouTube Dogs 24-7? Got Kirby Smart press conferences, player interviews, Mike White press conferences, Georgia men's basketball player interviews, and these podcasts that you're watching or listening to right now. I got all of that there and uh, definitely a lot of good stuff to come in the coming weeks and the coming months. Again, I'll say take a, keep an eye out on Wednesday, 12 p.m. Eastern time. I will be live streaming with Garrett Chapman to preview clean old-fashioned hate so we're gonna get out of here on that for kip adams i am jordan hill thanks so much everyone for watching and listening happy thanksgiving and until next time take care